0: Welcome to another episode of Collective Conversations. My name is Mike Brewer, and today I have a comeback guest, uh, Roland Hobbs, who is the uh, CEO
1: and co-founder of Stake. Roland, welcome to the show. Mike, thanks so much. It's always great to be here. Second time. see. <laughs> really thrilled to be back. I, I love it. Yeah, and this is the second time. And then I think since then, since
0: I look back, we actually posted our last episode on September 13th of 2002, but I think I've seen you two times and in person since then.
1: That's right. Um, once in Vegas, that was Correct. at Blueprint, not Optech. I didn't see you at Optech. I saw you at Blueprint, and then in Atlanta as well. So we're chasing each other around the country a little bit. So. <laughs> you got
0: it. I love it. I did have the opportunity. I didn't connect with you the last time. I was in Vegas again. You were in Vegas. You were doing a presentation at Op- Optech. I walked in. I think you were like 15 minutes from RAP.
1: I walked into the back of the room. I didn't want to be like,
0: hey, I'm here.
1: Oh, so you got, see, you got to see us do the, the the big announcement as well. That's really cool. Um, that was a lot of fun to be able to do. I'm so glad that you were there. I was a little bit in the like, you know, like you just see the sea of people, so I was trying not to concentrate on anyone.
0: Oh no, no, yeah. That's Actually, like, wouldn't it be great if I just ran to the front? Hey man, I'm here. So I yeah, talk. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, you of know, talking to me. We have a side combo. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, you're in the middle of a presentation. Go ahead.
1: <laughs>
0: just oh, just take a minute. Just a just a minute. <laughs> well, hey, let's let's use that as a jumping off point. Wait. I You have to work your your a phrase in. What kind of conversation are we going to have today? We're going to do a little bit of... <laughs> off-roading. Off, Some off-roading. Off-roading. I like uh, this. Yeah. For those of you who are watching or listening, we have no script here. We're off-roading today, but I'd like to use the Optech presentation where you did an announcement as sort of a jumping off point for conversation.
1: Seems natural. We announced Optech that Stake is now 100% free. What that means is that it's free to the owner, to be able to offer 1% cash back to all their residents. That's 1% cash back whenever they pay their rent, 1% cash back on everything they spent in the Stake visa debit card, which is a debit card, not a credit card. So never putting renters in debt, no gimmicks, no points, just straight cash. Uh, Free credit building as well is rolled into that. So if you wanna be able to do credit reporting to the three credit bureaus, we do it 100% free. Uh, We're part of the Freddie Mac program as well. Uh, Free banking services, so residents get free banking, uh, free and equitable banking, so they can pay their rent directly from the stake checking account. High yield interest in the checking account for them, which right now I think was sitting at 4.5% the last time I checked uh, for residents. And things like free uh, Paycheck Express, so they can actually get their paycheck earlier to pay the rent on time. So all of that is now free that we're offering to all of our property partners. That is, it's just tremendous.
0: I, I think I walked in when you were just doing the punchline after punchline after punchline, which all led by free, 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 free. I, I love all of that. I, I think it is natural for, for an operator to potentially ask, okay, so it is free to the consumer. Where Where is the funding coming from to give the free uh, experience to the consumer or to the end user?
1: So, look, our business model Uh, is to be able to get owners and operators to offer their own cash back, and I'll get to that in a second. But the funding itself for the 1%. So we have now built up a big enough renter's bank. There's enough deposits in that bank as stake as a banking service that we can fund that cash back from the deposits and the interchange that we get from Visa. So our relationship with Visa, our relationship with our banking partners, mean that we have enough in there that we can offer this to to residents 100% free. So it funds itself from the deposits that are going in. Um, And so think about it this way. When people make a deposit to pay rent, we obviously uh, make a little bit from that. Resident makes some from that as well, but that can help fund that 1%. Our partnership with Visa as well funds that uh, in addition. Now, why do we do it? Like, so why? Because we're not going to make a lot of money from this. We plow it all into the free. We want to be able to show owners and operators how much better things can be when they learn what their residents actually want and will respond to. So we'll deliver insights that say, hey, this money you're spending on a concession, the money you're losing on delinquency the low renewal rates you have, you can change all of these by offering your own incentive to the, the resident on top of what we're, we're already giving you for free and here's the outcomes that you'll start to see. So we've built up a pretty robust uh, you know, machine learning and AI learning that's starting to be able to spit out those insights and saying, hey, here's where you can start out performing." So we want to get people started. We obviously want people to be able to, to do more. Um, 60% of our properties today upgrade to what we call State Plus and offer their own incentives, um, but you don't have to. There's no obligation in the contract whatsoever. You can just use the free and uh, and we're happy to be able to do it because we know we're giving more money to renters and that's a good thing. I love that. I, I want to dig into a
0: little bit of what you just said there in terms of AI. So you're, you're collecting all of this data Yep. It is really uh, uh, an encapsulation of the behaviors of the consumers. And then you're able to use that data and harness it in a way to help me as an owner make an informed decision as it relates to either continuing to drive those behaviors or potentially changing those
1: behaviors. That's is that, right. Is that we think right? about all the things that we want. Let's just take signing a lease. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's all human behavior. Like I think a lot of times we talk about it as like an asset level or a door and all these things but it's the human who's making the decision your days on market is a human deciding that they are going to sign it sooner or later <laughs> so uh-huh. what's going to get them to be able to sign it sooner versus later and, and and incentives are measurable at scale right we can start seeing exactly what incentives work or don't work so a lot of the background that came from st- to stake is from what I did with Amazon, Starbucks, and others, which is you can measure these things at scale and start figuring out what your promotions or loyalty should be. What do you offer somebody to be able to change behavior, buy another product? We're using that same sort of learning at scale to say, well, how much cash back do you need to give to lower those days on market? Uh, but even more specifically, going to delinquency, economic vacancy, I always like to joke, is like this fancy term for like we couldn't get the renters to do what we wanted them to do. Like we wanted them to pay the rent, but they didn't. We just called it economic vacancy. You know, like they didn't sign the leases and they didn't renew. So we just called that, it but it's really a behavioral problem, right? This is a consumer behavior problem. So we're pulling all this data, not just from the property management software that we're connected to of like what's where things are in time, but we're looking at actually what the residents are responding to. How much cash back, when is it offered, uh, and how to put it in front of the resident, uh, text, email, when the right points are to be able to make these offers. We're looking at all these data points. We're also looking at uh, the data points that residents actually use the cash back for. How important is it to them to be able to have that cash back as well? And all that starts determining a couple of things. How much cash back to offer. Uh, and what behavior will it change? So as an example, one property, cashback may do a great job of being able to reduce days on market. And another, there's a bigger problem in delinquency and you need to, use the, need to use the cashback to tackle delinquency. And another property, it may be renewal. So that's what our machine learning and AI is doing, is looking, gathering all of that information together And spitting out insights based on, hey, if we were to spend cash back, you would reduce days on market by X, you would reduce delinquency by Y, you would increase renewals by Z.
0: Let's stay on the track of AI for a second. I've become deeply, deeply, as everyone I think is deeply interested in in AI. That might be an overstatement. But uh, do you see sort of a... a a forecast or a future state of how ai will continue to enhance the either the user's experience or stake as a company and how you run your business
1: and i'm just curious how you're thinking about it so i'm super interested as everybody is as well one uh, that we had at our event called stakeout in new york we had a whole panel on ai Uh, we had a company represented there called humane which just launched the ai pin Um, that presented literally a week before they launched this little, it looks like a Star Trek communicator um, and it's analyzing everything that's going on around you. But the idea is that AI can actually replace the screens, like you and I were joking before, like our phones are going off, we have to turn them off. Like, can this become the thing that replaces everything? So I think there's really amazing use cases of where AI can make life better. Of course, there's a lot of ethical concerns around where is this going to be able to go. I think when we get to the rental category for it, Being able to understand what actually matters to renters at scale is a thing that can really move the needle for everybody and create win-wins. So I don't think it's a surprise to be able to say that generally owners and operators have a hard time understanding what their renters want and and what's going to actually move the needle with them. Because they're really good at being able to manage the assets, but they're not consumer marketing companies, right? And consumer marketing has grown to a thing of it's really about large sets of data and how you start looking at those large sets of data. And if you think about renters... There is no identity class of renters. It's 48 million American households. It's every possible background, right? So it's really hard to be able right. to kind of come up with what does a renter want, but all these data points can help do that. Which means that services, experience, everything can get smarter when we're pulling in the data points. And if we're doing it in a way, of course, it's protecting people's privacy. We do it. We're anonymized. We'll never give up somebody's individual uh, behavior, but looking at the aggregate. In your two bedrooms in this property, what are the things that are to be able to get somebody to be able to renew and stay in their home? What is And that's what we start looking at for all stakers overall. Stakers are the folks who are earning cash back with us. We kind of think about it as one member group. Stakers uh, pay rent at a higher level. They renew at a higher level they save money at a higher level, getting 10% more savings than they had at the beginning of their lease. So that's what we want to be able to get to. So at the end result for that renter or that staker is that they're doing better. End result for owner and operator is that they're performing better.
0: I love that. I I want to key off stakers. I, uh, I had the privilege, I'm going to call it a privilege or the honor of looking at a I can't remember where the video posted. I don't know if it came to me directly or if I saw it on YouTube or where, where it was, but somebody had uh, put it in front of me and it was just, dare I say a tearjerker as it relates to some of the stories, right? Can you tell us some of your, maybe your favorites or the most impactful stories that that you've uh, come across so far?
1: So this is a cool thing, right? Is that like, we have people, we have a whole member marketing team. They're talking to stakers all the time. Uh, So we create these really close relationships because uh, they're telling us what they're spending their cash back on or even where the financial challenges that they might be having. So one of the stories that I like was around this time last year where they had written into us and they had said all the cash back that they were getting, they were saving to be able to buy books for their kids. And they had sent us a picture that was literally all the books every single month that they were using. They were getting maybe about $15 every time that they paid their, their rent on time. And they literally had lined them up and they were all Christmas gifts. So um, they had had them all out. They've been buying them each month and put them out, but they had done this amazing. I mean, the the photo was just so wonderful because they actually cared enough to send it to us as well, because like, you know, in some ways, like very personal and talking about your kids is the most personal. Um, yeah. And I love this because This showed to me that the cashback matters, it matters on a level of what people are able, you know, what they want to be able to spend on, but maybe cannot afford to spend on otherwise. And it enables that to be able to happen, but it's not just things that are material. As I mentioned, we have a lot of folks who are saving as well and what they're saving for. So another uh, couple, they were saving for their 40th wedding anniversary and just going out for dinner on their 40th wedding anniversary, right? Which is just like the coolest thing. They were like, uh, uh, he had worked for the United States uh, Postal Service, you know, most of his life. He's like, we haven't gone and done this very fancy restaurant. We want to be able to go do the fancy restaurant. We're saving the cash back to go do the fancy restaurant. Um, So that was kind of cool. Like, you kind of think like, oh, what's the savings for? Like, but that's the coolest thing that you could think of. Like, that's a really great way to be able to, to save for something on the aggregate we pull back from the anecdotal uh, what we see people spending their cash back on as number one is uh, pharmaceutical and medicine um uh it's a, the highest number uh grocery and then child care so it's really interesting because a lot of these categories of what we know people are spending on are essentials right they're daily essentials of uh of that are help, are helping so cash helps you know fund the things that we need uh, in our everyday lives. And then there's some folks who are just saving because they want to be able to buy a home, which is awesome as well.
0: Do you see that it came to mind? Do you see a, an iteration of this where you actually start to partner with, say a pharmacy or a grocery store or a
1: childcare offering where you can further the conduit, so to speak in. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've we started these sorts of conversations. So I'd say uh, stay tuned for next year. Right now, we like the cashbacks. It's universal and can be used anywhere. And we really try not to be realistic sure. and say, you should be using it here or there because cash is universal. And suddenly some folks want to be able to use it to be able to spend today because they want to be able to get a coffee. Awesome. Do whatever you want with your cash. Yeah, I think where it becomes really interesting, and this is when we look at the data on aggregate, like I'll never tell you, like, Mike, here's what you bought. you know. But we'll look at it on the aggregate and see where people are shopping. We can tell that somebody went to the Trader Joe's rather than the Whole Foods with their their cash. And so what we can start doing and we're experimenting with this today is offering an additional more cash back if you go to a particular place. So say you were getting $100 in cash back from Steak, and we could say, oh, that $100 actually becomes $150 if you went to the Trader Joe's rather than Whole Foods. So I think there's a lot that starts to be able to happen. What's better about this model than the, um, what's called in the loyalty world earn and burn, which is how, what happens with points, right? You earn the points and you spend the points. The problem with that is that you have to manage these damn points. Like I have so many points in different areas and there's 60 billion points to hundred billion points a year that just go abandoned because nobody wants to manage that, right? They just don't want to deal okay. with it. But if you create the cash, like I can use the cash and then you go, well, you're gonna get a little bit more cash if you go to the Trader Joe's is like a better way to be able to do it as instantaneous and as universal. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. I was looking over this way because I have a stack of gift cards that I've had for almost. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> like- you have to be careful those gift cards; they expire. I had that. You know- I- to look at the back and make sure that you're not going to suddenly be in their breakage numbers you know like because they they love it when those gift cards expired they just record the whole thing as revenue and off it you know right yeah uh, yeah
0: yeah i'm sure i have a few in there um yeah it used to
1: be the joke on gift cards I actually a funny story on, on real estate with gift cards i'll tell you in a second but, but in loyalty we always talked about it it's like it's the grandma service fee like you know grandma gave you the gift card you lost a gift card and 24 months later, the whatever brand it is gets recorded as revenue and you don't actually take any you know, cost of goods, it's like best revenue they can get. Um, we saw in the very early days I mean, at a leasing office with $40,000 of Amex gift cards sitting in this drawer. <laughs> and they said to me, they're like, yeah, we need a better way to be able to manage this because we use them for a lot of different things. And that's part of where state stake comes in. It's like, you, you really do. Like, there's a lot of fraud around. Like, and they're like, yeah, sometimes people... Disappeared. I'm like, yeah, because there's forty thousand dollars of gift cards here. Like, of course, some are kind of wandering off the site a little bit. You know, uh, they suddenly find legs. Nobody understands why. You know, uh, so gift cards are really tough to manage.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'll see us to that. I, I, it, I have to tell this story because it's along that same line, and it and it probably lends well to to the platform as well. Uh, I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time, and I got the bright idea that for renewals. to be different from everybody else in the market we would have an armored car from the bank come and park in front of our building and when people sign their renewal instead of like saying put a thousand dollar concession or i'm just making up the number i can't remember what the number was at the time we would just uh have the you know the guard (laughs) pull the cash out of the truck and give it to the to the resident (laughs) but so we did that first time around second time around the bank's like yeah we can't you know we're not going to do that so we decided we'd just keep the cash in our in our safe and we'll hand it out as people come in to renew well we made it very enticing for one of our team members it's terrible to admit but one of our team members is like couldn't handle the the cash being in the safe decided they needed it for something that they
1: needed (laughs) it was just (laughs) <laughs> right to your point, it's just terribly managed. It's so hard uh, to be able to, you know, How do you track it and all of this? Is the that's problem hard. all those things? But I got to give it up to you on the on the Brinks truck pulling up. I have a background in PR, and that's like uh, like an like an OG PR maneuver. I love it. Like. that's... <laughs> yeah. like-
0: I'd love to tell you that was my idea. I I can't make the attribution. I'm not going to take credit for it. But we actually executed on whoever's idea that was. It was fantastic. Well, I love it. <laughs>
1: like at one point, I worked at a PR firm in my very early career. They did like the world's largest grilled cheese sandwich, and you'd like invite. Advise- <laughs> You know, and the thing was on like hydraulics in times square and they had like guinness book of world records there so like these <laughs> did a big of they they worked they got a lot of weird press i have no idea what the brand was so maybe it wasn't that good but it was the world's largest grilled cheese <laughs> okay, okay. it i the point is uh nonetheless important so <laughs> yeah oh exactly. um, it is I, funny because a... everybody does incentives right and then it's just like well why give out it's easy to give out a Chris 20. It's like hard to know was the 20 bucks the right amount, or could it have been 15? Or really did you need to do 40 bucks because to get the renewals up it needed to be more? Like what where's the data behind all of this? That's what we're trying to be able to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I very much enjoy that and appreciate that.
1: I, I'm curious. So you you're growing.
0: I think uh last report I saw, um, I won't be able to tell you the date, but it seemed like you had bit you're like 2x, maybe approaching 2.5x from the last time I talked to you to today.
1: Uh, yeah, we have seventy thousand homes um across the US today, um up from twenty thousand a year ago. So 20, yeah, about five three three X and change uh in terms of the 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 top line uh numbers on there. And then it keeps each yeah, I should go check it today, but the thing is about where we are today. That is so fantastic. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. It's exciting. Yeah, it's
0: pretty good. I, I'm curious, the people who have decided Maybe this is not the right time, maybe we'll do it down the road what what are some of the challenges that you've faced in terms of trying to sell it into the marketplace or or help people understand the why behind the what and and help them uh, adopt the platform
1: every it's just industry, fascinating to me because it seems yeah, so every, straightforward every industry goes through a transformation from transactional thinking to loyalty thinking so going way back mm-hmm. into airlines airlines used to wildly compete more on price before they had loyalty. And it would be like, whatever, you know, Cleveland to Dallas flight would be like, you know, they would just be like today, like reduce 10%. Like, and they would just fight to the bottom on reducing price. And then they created loyalty to identify their best customers, which are business travelers. But it took a while, right? Really, it was like late 70s and really took off in the 90s. Same thing in hospitality, same thing in credit cards. So every single industry goes through this transformation. So we're in the same thing. And I think in this environment today where, where we are, um, there's no shock to be able to say that operational costs are a big deal. It's part of the reason why we offered um, free is we want to be able to get people to be able to start without having any operational cost whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But when there is really tough times and when operational costs need to be able to come down, a lot of times short-term thinking comes in, right? Where you're like, I need, even though that if I, I'm going to spend $1 to make $3, so I spend this $1, I'll end up getting $3 back in reduction in delinquency and days on market and blah, blah, blah. But one side of the house is telling me, don't spend that dollar. And then the other side of the house is saying, we need to be able to get net operating improvements. So the short-term thinking, the lack of the transformation in the industry is that that, that reason. Now, we'll always stay involved with that team and we offer the free and whatever we can do to be able to get, get started. So that's kind of one just kind of from a meta level way down to the kind of like specific on-site teams are completely overwhelmed. Like, you know, like I think on-site teams are there's been a lot of financial amenity products that have been put in front of on-site teams that haven't delivered and changed anything for them. Um I always think about it as the like you know, did you go home to your family and say, does actually help me you know, get promoted? Or I felt good about this product. And there's so many out there that really didn't help that person get promoted or they'd love working with them or or whatnot. So I think there's an exhaustion a little bit at the moment for onsite teams, it, COVID exhausted them, a lot of prop tech products, unfortunately, I think created a We really try to be able to fight that with, look, they just have to remember two words, it's cash back. Um, of course, we have deeper courses. So we have our great IRM course they can take on moving to a loyalty mentality, but fundamentally, they're going to get promoted because leases are going to get signed faster. And we're going to give them the data to be able to say that. So, and then also they can feel good because their residents are doing really, they want to get promoted, right? They want to be able to, you know, but I think that there's a lot right now on these two things. It's like operational costs are really tough, right? Everybody's looking yeah. to be able to, to save. They've been spending, you know, two, three bucks on credit building, uh, you know, maybe a per door. That's really expensive. They need to be able to save on that. Um, or other financial amenity products and at the same time they're being told they got to be able to get this improvement. So where we're getting told no is, you know, some combination of like exhaustion because they just had been overwhelmed with these, you know, uh, with products that haven't delivered for them, or it's also on the operational side. Like they, they're just like, we need to be able to, we're just being told to be able to to save. but as I say, it's a transformation. You're looking at the long curve of being able to change an industry and change an industry towards loyalty as part of your revenue management, not just loyalty as a giveaway, as your kind of 10th burrito free, as we joke. Thanks you know? <laughs> a lot. Of- <laughs> I used to like burritos a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, doesn't want a free burrito, but it's hard to be able to prove that it's going to do anything for your revenue management team once you've given right. away a ton of burritos. So, You know, I think
0: you really nailed one point
1: there. Both points are very germane, but... Point of fatigue,
0: uh, as it relates to, to applications or whatever else is going on on a property on a daily basis, people are really fatigued uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. And it's uh, it's been a challenging three or four years plus minus. And I think people are really looking for a break. And anything that comes along that is in service of the consumer that doesn't that doesn't necessitate a bunch of brain power, right? That's to me is going to be attractive to. Operators to, and people who are on the front line. You can
1: think of the, the exhaustion level. Like we opened at Optech with a slide that was just two people yelling at each other and pointing the finger at each other. And I think a little bit of the renter, I hate to say it, but like renters are saying like, I've never spent more on rent. In right. my, owners and operators are pointing back at the renter being like, many of you aren't paying rent on time and it's costing me more to be able to, to manage. And I'm losing money with you. So both sides feel a that financially that they're getting screwed <laughs> and and there needs to be a reset in the relationship and i think that the the exhaustion i really uh sympathize with it on the on property level because post-covid it's not a great relationship right and things are just everything's a little wonky in our society overall but i won't get pulled into that but everything's just a little like tense and difficult and then in the property level it's even more so And what we think is that when you start getting that win on both sides and both sides can get a win with getting cash uh, that can improve things, that relationship starts to reset. Like we see a 39% increase in sentiment with residents once they're getting cash back. But that's kind of part of it is that we just need this reset. We need a way to be able to start talking to each other differently, but also being able to get the like, I understand truly what you need instead of throwing gum against the wall and then being like, I never talked to you. I never figured out what you wanted, but here's all these things, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Now... You articulated that very well, and I appreciate you diving into that one a little bit. I, I, I think just a juxtaposition a little bit. Obviously, there's a little bit of a challenge getting this out in, into the marketplace, but a little bit of a challenge. You've grown three x. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, I'm wondering untapped, untapped opportunities because I, I imagine uh, someone like yourself is looking out around the bend or looking out around the corner. I know you have to stay present in the moment, um, focus on the metrics of your business and making sure that it's successful, but any good entrepreneur is looking down the road a little bit. Are there things that you can sort of talk about today or even if it's not about the company specifically because you need to keep that under the cape, so to speak?
1: Uh, I can tell you, well, look, we're bringing a lot of energy into, the, into our, our loyalty cloud, which is our revenue management tool. So literally folks okay. will have like, ARM yield star whatever they're using on one screen, and then they don't have anything to mention economic vacancies we're on the other screen. So all the features we're putting into there are key to the roadmap. So um, you know, should you waive application fee or give cash back instead of waiving the application fee? Should you be giving? Um, you know, when we're looking at drop leases, like they sign the lease but they didn't show up, where do we solve for that? So we're getting really, really, really specific. So, but that that isn't the um, it's important. We'll keep on improving with it is about the exciting stuff that's coming kind of longer term because stake is on banking rails and not credit card. Right. So we're not a we're not a credit card. We're banking. We're giving FDIC insured checking accounts. And so when people are earning their money um, with stake, uh, they're able to keep it in the FDIC insured account. So we think about this as the renter's bank you know, um, most banks are set up for homeowners, not for renters. I mean, by by definition, their business model is to, you know, get deposits from one side and make loans on the other for, for homeowners. So they obviously incentivize homeowners more than renters. And renters get really uh, a raw deal on that because renters tend to have less disposable income available, right? And so overdraft fees, uh, minimums, all these things that they get with a lot of banks, uh, we're not charging. So... The first thing we did was offer free. That was the first step, because we got enough deposits into the bank that we can start offering a lot of services for free. There's a lot more services and I won't say what it is that are going to be enable bankers, uh, enable renters to be able to get better banking services on the same level that homeowners can. So uh, I'll kind of let you, uh, uh, the listeners and everybody kind of think of what all the things that you get from your bank that you might build, that renters might be able to get. So that's the sort of stuff we're thinking of long-term the more deposits in the more we can um, advocate for renters in the same way that banks uh, today advocate for the homeowners.
0: Okay. Well, th- thank you for that. I, fr- I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious. So I was, uh, you were at Optic, I was at Optic. I felt, um, hopefully I'll articulate this well, that there is always energy at Optic. Uh, whether it be from the, you know, the vendor side, uh, vendor partner side, um, or the operator side, this year, it, at least for me, there was a different kind of energy there. There was the traditional energy, but there was also this energy of everything that is pressing multifamily owners today. There's some version of that that is pressing vendors who are providing services to the space, right? be it rising interest rates, cost of goods, cost of services, cost of inputs, all of these things. And so I felt a sense of urgency there that I'd never felt before. Mm-hmm. And it's because we had this 12-year bull run or 13, whatever the, right? And now now it's shifting. And I'm just curious from from your perspective, I'm not asking you to speak for all the vendors, obviously, but, yeah. but did you feel that? And then if you did, this is a pure speculation here. What do you, What do you see... Happening over the course
1: of the next 12 to 24 months, broadly speaking, in the industry? So, capital markets are obviously really problematic for real estate, but they're really problematic for prop tech startups as well. Like, and I'm that folks aren't closing rounds, they they are. There's, of course, things that are happening, but um, there is, you know, the survive until 25 was a real estate phrase, that's now gotten kind of Water, but I think it's kind of a similar thing for a lot of startups, because um, if you raised rounds, um, two kind of groups, folks who raised uh, rounds that were way overvalued, uh, makes it very hard, right? So if you're in a big, frothy, econ- like when it was kind of a big, frothy tech world in 2020 uh, uh, and 2021, um, you probably got higher valuations and people are willing to pay for now. So that that's problematic. And then you also have the thing of just running out of capital as well. So I think that there's those two things that are happening for a lot of folks. And it's really um, and that's uh that's tough. Right. And that's where I think you're getting a lot of the the like urgency um, is a real financial worry underneath of it. Um, you know, for stake, we have the the runway to get well into 2025. But it's always I think every founder is worried, about, it. like every founder should be, should be really worried about it. And I'm not sure as well if... um... The folks who have been sitting at these kind of overvalued places are no longer in the, the kind of leadership position. So it's a little bit of a void at the moment as well. Um, and we're a post-Series A uh, company. We're really proud of our 70,000. We We've got our goals of where we need to get to. But I'm thinking about the, the unicorns, as people like to be able to call it. There's not that many, um, right, that aren't being seen as overvalued. And that creates a little bit of a, a morale shift as well. So I think you, own, you have these two fronts. I always joke that there's kind of like interstellar where you like planet real estate and planet startup. Usually real estate's thinking in five-year time horizon, right? Like we buy a property, we sell them in five years. And, that's right. and VC startup planet is thinking in like 12, maybe 18 months time horizon to the next thing. And that's only gotten yeah. worse right now, right? Like, because it's, yeah. uh, so I think there's a little bit of prop tact, this thing of like, not unfortunately, not everybody's going to make it. There's going be some consolidation. Um, and I think people have to get very real about which products are, are truly delivering value back to the owner. Operator and truly delivering value to the renter. Like, are the renters really using this? Are they really engaged and 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 taking advantage of this? And is that engagement really returning money for the owner-operator? But I, I felt the same thing. Although we were we, I didn't get as much time on the floor. We we did a presentation and then we actually did one-on-one meetings in a suite, which worked out really well. But it did feel uh, it did feel like a different energy. The the quick moment I had to run around the the floor uh, felt like a lot more. A lot more uh, booths actually, than last year, too, I thought. Yeah, yeah there were. I I, uh, I thought the same thing. You, you know, the other
0: the other point that I'd make, uh, hopefully I articulate this as a, <laughs> well, um, and I love your thoughts, um, There there is, uh, so I'm over the age of 50 now. I've been in the industry for roughly 30 years, and so I maybe this is just a function of my being over the age of 50. I don't think so. But the uh, ratio of youth in the real estate space today, multifamily specifically, because Optech is multifamily specific, um, was just incredible. And the energy with the youth is incredible. And it excites me because our industry, when I think back to the time I got started in it, it wasn't very sexy. Let just put it that way. It wasn't a very sexy thing, uh, at least not as it. It relates to sexy and the definition of it today, as it relates to multifamily. But I, I'm just excited about the energy that's in the room, that are creating conversations and creating solutions. Streaming into those conversations, are you feeling the same way? It's, it just seems incredible.
1: Yeah, when I look at our our team, you know, my co-founder, uh, who's 25, <laughs> I think most of our product team is all under 30. Um, broad, yeah, and and probably even <laughs> under 28. Um, and if I had thought like, you know, I did a, a, my, my first startups when I was much younger, I'm, I'm, I'm 49 real estate was not the place that you go into, but prop tech feels right now. Like we don't have a, we don't have a recruiting chat. What I'd say is I don't have a recruiting challenge to go and get somebody in on, uh, because it's prop tech, uh, we're kind of prop tech, FinTech, but whatever, um, you're yeah, yeah. excited about it. But I think it's because the, a lot of it is social impact and mission that people get really. Uh, excited about. Yep. And I think because housing prices have gone up and because uh, a lot of that generation also saw what happened in 2008 with their families and what they're actually incredibly focused on being able to make this better and be able to, I mean, you wouldn't think that our full stack engineer, would care that our mission is about accelerating for wealth but i'll tell you like in our sprint meetings that's the thing like that's what we, we that gets people excited because they feel like look i'm able to get and so i think that housing feels like this thing that you can make a really big impact on for a lot of people in a way that truly and I'm not saying that everybody's you know, coming into it for that reason, but I think there's a lot of that for uh, a younger generation that wants to have a, a, a really strong sense of what they're working on matters and has a purpose to it. And then it's AI as well on data. Like, just think about like how exciting it is right now when you can start being like, what can we do when we start seeing these huge sets of data and we start setting like machine learning at work to be able to figure out how it's going to be able to improve people's lives or be able to improve performance? That's just cool. It's fun stuff to be able to work on
0: yeah that's fair
1: yeah <laughs> it's uh i I just
0: couldn't help myself when I was walking around i i unlike you I had a lot of time on the floor but it uh it was just the youth uh and the energy and the personalities it was just incredible and i I was just very overwhelmed by it i I had the opportunity to sit and have lunch with a couple of people and they were just ninety
1: miles an hour and I'm like this
0: is so awesome <laughs>
1: like there's a well it's interesting i don't get your thought on this as well is that what i've worried about because of the capital markets is are we going to have a, a dearth of kind of seed stage you know companies coming in and or pre-seed even let's talk about even the the or, because you know people need that path and we are uh, i said to folks who invested in us and that kind of angel round and the you know that sort of thing it's Like keep that going it's so important that that's there to be able to keep because it's really not good when you don't have it but it sounds like from what you're saying, you're seeing a lot of new companies coming up as well, which is great. Like if there's folks coming in who are at that pre-seed seed stage, that means we're going to have a really great, you know, 12, 18 months from now. Those are the the series A companies that are at, you know, larger scale and making big impact. Yeah,
0: I, I do see that. I think I I have a unique vantage point in that we, we have access to some of the incubators, right, that are helping those uh, companies come to be, um, some very neat incubators, especially here in Atlanta. I, I know they're probably all over the country, but I'm in Atlanta, so I'm most familiar with well, that. Atlanta has
1: that, like some, I mean, obviously you guys are there, but it's a ton of just huge property management and owners. So it's just a hub. Um, so it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the one thing that I, I don't want to call this a concern because I,
0: I don't live in that world and maybe it's not a concern, but I, at least from my vantage point, um, Sometimes it seems like we, uh, the community is creating what I, what I consider a feature as opposed to an actual product. And it would seem to me that maybe partnering with uh, maybe not legacy player, but somebody that is up and coming and figuring out how you can sort of make their invention better. If, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I, I, think. I think that, uh, <laughs> a lot of the financial amenities, were features, not companies, or features, not full product set. So, like we believe this, okay. we offer credit building. I'm very proud of our credit building feature, but I, I don't think it's a a standalone. Like I don't think that credit building is something that is just uh, on its own, because it is now a lot of people offer it. It's relatively easy to be able to plug in and 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 be able to to offer, which is great because it's more ubiquitous and and whatnot. But I think that I would encourage everybody to always think of the how does the product. Uh, how does the feature become a suite of products, and then how does that become a platform, right? And, and what sort yeah. of transformation is that starting to be able to take? And that's how we kind of think about it: is like a platform or a marketplace, and somewhere you want to be able to move in that direction. But it can't just be it does this one thing. I do think there is something though. For um, unfortunately, in the last four or five years, where a lot of things were charging the buck a door. And it kind of encouraged a little bit of um, feature thinking because it was like, you know, but then the problem was that going to the operational costs. Everybody's like, oh my God, I have like 15 of these bucket doors. Like this is becoming real money, you know, like, um, and we got to start cutting them back. But that was the way it kind of started. It was like, well, if I can solve this very specific problem and get a bucket door and, you know, I can get a hundred thousand doors in this bucket thing, I've got my series A, you know, that. That um, I think led to some bad thinking potentially, instead of being able to think of the long term transformation or the platform that you're creating for the industry. That that makes sense. I I appreciate
0: that. Um, I that that brought to mind I was just thinking through. I, I want to go back to the AI because you mentioned it again, mm-hmm. and I can't leave it alone.
1: <laughs> oh, well, so, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's so
0: fascinating. <laughs> it, it it feels like like I'm going to use your your platform as an example. Um, as part of a larger conversation, I'd just love to get your thoughts on it. So I'm just going to throw something out. There's not really a question. It's just an, an observation. Um, But you, you're collecting a data set that yeah. is used for informing decision-making as it relates to certain behaviors in the uh, ecosystem. But then there are, there are other platforms that are collecting other sets of data. And let's say there's three other ones and I, I'm not going to try to name three other ones. I just don't know off the top of my head. So let's say there's four total. Yours happens to be one of them. There, there seems to be a unique opportunity in uh, bringing those data sets together and allowing a large, uh, large language model or open AI to to farm itself through that data and come up with things that we're not even thinking about today. Yeah. Is that?
1: Yeah, I think we're really, so <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of exciting stuff can happen if that happens, but a lot of, Tolls and bridges and, and need, bridges need and to be removed or tolls on the bridges, bridges maybe it's a way to put it, to it, be removed for that to happen. Um, so, you know, a lot of property management software is, is closed wall. Uh, and it's very difficult to be able to, I mean, some of the information you can get out, but only the basics, like the really interesting stuff. They're interested to hold in because everybody wants to build their own data lake and then run their own AI on it. And then say, you ought to be within our, you know, play within our garden to be able to actually do something. So I think that there's going to be a little bit of a change in the industry. Uh, other industries have had to go through this as well, where it's like, are these tolls useful for everybody? And I actually think it's yeah. coming from, owner, it's interesting the conversations recently when how many owners and operators are creating their own data lake and saying like, no, 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 we're not going to give it over to somebody else because this is really valuable and we can't run, them. you know, so I think there's a shift. Yeah. Running there, Um, but that's meaning that real estate companies, rental companies, have to become tech, really tech companies, very sophisticated, you know, to to run these things. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think the other problem as well is that a lot of times, data that's coming from the asset level isn't enough data, on a to be able to truly fuel AI, like. Payment information happens once a month. That means you get 12 data points throughout the year. It's like, did they pay, did they not pay? You have very little other information to be able to, to go on. Like, there's not that much changing, like the concrete's poured. does not, you know, as you're doing environmental stuff. But just saying from the asset performance level, and why we see having consumer behavior or renter behavior is so important to that is that you're getting literally tens of millions of more data points because they're spending on the car daily. Uh, there's so many other actions that they're taking that then you can start correlating to asset behavior, but if it's just like, "Hey, I only have these twelve data points," like that ain't enough to run a you know a model on, you know. Yeah, and I think to that point that to, to one of the points you made
0: there that we are thinking about the world in terms of bringing all that data in, creating our own lake, then creating our own warehouse where we've structured that data in some way or in many ways, but then I'm thinking in advance of that if to your point about not having enough data because we have a fairly small portfolio. So there are not, I mean, even it's a lot of data, but it's not enough data. I right. think, can I, can I, in some way you monetize your data yeah. by, by like selling it back to me so that I can make my pool big enough or my lake big enough so that my structure becomes even more powerful.
1: And there's gotta be, so got be so much more interoperability with that. And I think, um, I think it's also like a way that we have to be able to get uh, more of a standard of how that data is delivered as well back yeah. and forth. So one of the big challenges on, uh, this is so basic, but it's just so important is contactability with renters. So like um, renter comes in and signs a lease. And like we all do when you're, you know, whatever, you want to give somebody your spam email address, you give them the spam email address, but now I can't contact you because you give me a spam email address. And <laughs> Nobody does. I mean, I do it all the time. I'm like, oh, you want my email? Sure. Um, and here's the phone number that also is the one I don't really look at. And, um, you know, and renters do it. We actually see a problem on that on the base level. And it's so about 30% of renters giving bad information and it's not checked. So when you start offering the, the cash back, we, renters go like, oh, actually, that's not my number because I need to get into the app. So here's the real number. Mm-hmm. And we're able to prove the data going back. So I think a lot of, yes, it's important to be able to get, uh the data lake more data points in but like everything good data in good data out bad data in bad data out and a lot of it's bad unfortunately that's coming in and it needs to be cleaned up and improved and that can only happen if you have a good relationship with the renter that they want to be a part of they actually feel some value coming back to them from giving this data over if they don't they'll you'll never get it you'll never get something that's useful from them because they're pretty savvy at being able to make sure you don't get into their world you know oh I mean, it's yeah It's.
0: That, that is a really good point. And yes, I'm one of those people that gives you my alternative yeah. phone number.
1: Macy's, <laughs> well, It's like, you know, they're like, do you want to get your points? I'm like, oh, on this thing that I'm never going to check, but you know, whatever. If you want to give me the discount today, sure. You Oh, know? <laughs>
0: um, okay. Well, I, I want to offer up to you uh, anything we haven't talked about today that, that you find interesting, uh, interesting out in, in the landscape or anything that's uh, coming up here to round out the year or something that's going into next year that you're, uh, kind of looking forward to,
1: or something we haven't talked about questions or, you know, I, I think with, when we could, everybody knows how difficult things are in terms of the, the headwinds, but I find that really an exciting time of where yeah. the folks who are really going to double down on what performance means, like there was a lot of free money for a long time. And so performance, I'm not saying it was easy cause you did have to be able to work at it, but you know what I mean? Like it was easier. And so what I'm really excited about is seeing the companies that are like, actually right now is the time for us to be able to dig in and, and, and make those changes. I think you saw it. And I don't think we're in as bad a period as 2008, but you saw it in some companies as well, who saw that equally, this is the best time for startups talent is easier to be able to get right. Like, uh, than it was when, you know, you're like, oh my God, I offered X salary to an engineer and then Google doubled it. Like, oh, thanks. Um, you know, so there's also that as well. So I'm actually like in this very optimistic place for, for, for next year of where things are going to be like tough times, make greater products. That's, that's what you, you see, like, you know, Google came out in a tough time. Amazon came out in a tough time, uh, Facebook in a tough time. Like, this is the things that I think are going to be really cool. The next, uh, 18 months is those who will be able to put in the, the really hard work, both on real estate and the, and the prop tech side will come out incredibly strong when things turn around, because inevitably the they do turn around. I, I 100% agree with that. And it brings to mind a
0: book I read one time. I can't remember the title of the book, but the opening chapter was Constraints. And mm-hmm. the the analogy that used was the, the lead singer of, I believe it's Aerosmith, and his name is Steven Tyler. And he's the guy who does this when he sings. And they, the the analogy they used was when they were first beginning to Perform as a band and perform on stages. The stages were very small because they, they weren't opening to call a scene, right? So, yeah. <laughs> in, in order to in order to stand out, he he started dancing like that. and He would decorate the microphone stand, and so it was his way of sort of uh, differentiating their band from the next band that would come up, you know, after their five minute stance. And so, I think I think you're right. This constraint called the economy today or capital markets is really forcing people to get more intentional. And uh, smarter about the things that they are actually working on that they're going to put into the marketplace, and and uh, they're doing it because it's
1: that's what the consumer is
0: is going to pick up on, right? So, or, or the owner operator is going to buy. It's um, all in, it's so all like,
1: incentives, and when the incentives are smaller, we're seeing people having to make that choice in a in a much more deliberate way. And, that's right. And I think a lot of really good tech is going to come from this that actually produces real results, right? Like, because people are going to be really paying attention to it before is a little bit, not before always, but, you know, a little bit of like, well, it's tech, it must be good. So we invested in it and we did it because, you know, but we aren't really watching to see if it's actually returning anything to us. But now that that, that ROI is super important, it needs to be returning something, you know, the operational side demands it. So I think it's gonna be kind of really cool to be able to see that it's going to create a lot of uh, uh, good conversations when we've been in it's been more productive conversations with the owners and operators, because it's a lot more, I would say, real you know, like, here's what we really need to be able to focus on and where we're going to hold you accountable to getting these results. Yeah, that's right. We are on the same page.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be <laughs> optimistic with you.
1: <laughs> yeah. so, it's a, really it's a wild time. So which city are we going to see each other in? No, Optech next year is in Maryland. It's not in Vegas. Um, are you going to the San Diego NMHC show? Or, uh, I you am. You All right, we'll be there. So You'll be there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I will see you next. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me on. This is so much fun.
0: Yeah, no, we'll do it again uh at some point maybe a year from now. We'll put it on the calendar now. And maybe yeah. I'll actually remember that it's on the calendar for this day. Oh, it's
1: always that front in advance, it'll be a surprise to be in the morning, like, Oh my god, I'm talking to Roland, you know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: well i I appreciate you investing some time with us. I absolutely appreciate what you're doing uh, for the industry, uh, for our end user, the consumer, and, and our residents. I think it's it's wonderful. So uh, tell everybody where they can find uh, more information about you or about Steak. So, uh,
1: steak.rent, www.stake.rent uh, is the best place to be able to go. And you can always shoot me an email at Roland, which is a W in it, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, at steak.rent. Thank you, Roland. I appreciate you. Take good care. Happy holidays. See you soon. Yes,
0: likewise. And for everyone else, I was trying to speak too fast. Uh, Everyone else, we'll see you next time on Collective Conversations. See you all soon. Take care.